Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Welcome to Supernatural Circumstances, the podcast where we take you down the rabbit hole into the fantastic and fascinating world of the strange, the paranormal, and the unknown. Ooh. I'm Morgan Knutson. And I'm Mike Brown. It's time to dim the lights and settle in. Come along with us on this week's adventure. And we're going south this week. Way south. Yeah. Way south, all the way to Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, I'm looking forward to traveling to Alabama. I've never been to Alabama. I have not been to Alabama either. I've actually not visited the southern states. Oh, wow. You have to. The food is amazing and the people are so friendly. Our guest today, I mean, she is from Alabama and is one of my favorite people in the world. As I've, I've told Crystal a million times, Crystal Anthony. And she is amazing because she is both a bit of a medium herself and a uh, an attorney and kind of a historian because she has lived everywhere. She's rebuilt homes and she ended up in a house that her, this story bears repeating. Mm. It's so fascinating because so many of the times when we're listening to all of these people talk about their stories, their horrifying encounters, and what gets missed is the plethora of positive things and positive connections that people have made with spirits and how far that positivity and that interconnectedness Mm -hmm. can go, including saving your life. Cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking to Crystal about this because uh, I've read a little bit about the timeline of, of what happened in their home, and it's like really, really fascinating. And it, it really dives into, like you said, how um, an entity, whatever it is that's happening in that particular home at that particular time, was actually really helpful to them. So helpful. And at one point, even saving their kids' lives a couple of times and hers. And it's it, it's amazing because the the energy and we, you know, talk about this. We'll talk about this with Crystal, but the energy in which they bring into the space and the openness and connectedness that they had with that relationship with with non-physical, with spirit really does lend and show its value in in Crystal's story. And I think that's why this is so important to talk about. This is something that every single person can can do and have a relationship with. And it's it's really special. Well, awesome. Let's get to it then. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How do you make a vacation last? 
How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm thrilled today because... My, somebody who I consider my big sister is our, our guest today. And um, Mike, I've been really looking forward to introducing you to her because she's one of my favorite people in the world. And we've got Crystal, how long have we known each other? 2006, I think. It's been like it's been a while. So so, yeah. Crystal, it's so good to have you here, first of all. Um, and it, we connected years ago over when I was on Haunting back on Discovery Channel in the early 2000s. And I mean, you've had some incredible experiences that you've shared with me over the years. And I really wanted to feature some of what you have experienced on the show, because I think so often we get wrapped up in these stories that are terrifying and frightening and of course the tv shows are always kind of peddling that angle and you know it's 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 exciting and and whatnot but the the positive stuff can be so inspiring and also really exciting and this is what i love you and i we talk about this all the time um but it tell everybody a little bit about you um because you've got a, a really interesting background you know you've you've been to law school and you're a bit of a medium too Yes. And as far back as I can remember, I have been. Um, I've come from a very spiritual family. Like um, the majority of my family, I, I'm not super religious. They're, they're very religious. But these kind of things with them went hand in hand because for some people who are not familiar with this particular um, denomination, we have a lot of Pentecostal people in our family. And that's one thing that spiritualism you know being very spiritual and actually the ability to you know converse or discern spirits is one gift that you know they consider to actually be a good gift and my great-grandmother had this she was very 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 much a medium and she would actually just outright see that like it was could see things she felt things we connected she's one of my best friends and it's unusual to have you know, a great grandmother in your life as long as I did, but yeah, I had her in my life till I was 16. I think early on she realized I had this too. There was an incident at my grandmother's house where we both saw the same thing. I'd gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water, whatever, you know, I was a kid and it was down at the end of the hall. I thought I'd see a woman and I thought this was, you know, my could possibly be my grandmother, my mother, but as I got closer, I realized, no, no, this is not. And it wasn't a woman, like, you know, not like a human woman. And that was the interesting thing. I was upset. I, I you know, I yelled. I do believe it scared me. And the first thing I can remember is my great grandmother coming out and she was talking to me. And, you know, of course, everyone else assures me there's nothing there. And then when we go back, my great grandmother's like, I see her too and she said you have this and she said you have this gift and she said it's different from for everybody it's never she goes it's often not the same and she she was great you know to educate me that way um 
as far as like myself, she, she was very much clairvoyant. Like when I, I, I talk to people about this and try to explain it, I talk to them when, because you know, they get this thing on TV. It's like, oh, so you can predict this. And it's no, no, no. There's so many, well, there's so many misconceptions. Yeah. There are. And, you know, like you basically, you know, you have mediumship and you have your psychic senses because, you know, medium can have psychic abilities, but not all psychics are mediums, not all mediums are sure. psychic. Mm-hmm. That's a really good uh, clarification actually to make, like between clairvoyance, clairaudience, you know, some people that are having ESP experiences. I mean, all of that. Yeah, it is it is very, very different for everyone. Yes, you're reading my mind. I'm telling you, this is <laughs> another thing that Morgan and I have this connection with that is really interesting because I was about to mention that because mine tends to fall more into the clairsentience side where I sense things. Bit, you know, it's basically I get an impression of something or, you know, claircognizance where I'm actually, I, I get these little things where I'm like, okay, this isn't right. There's something going on here. My clairvoyance is more like, I don't know. It's almost like seeing something through a veil. Like I, I get this mental picture. It's not as clear as say my great grandmother's was, but as far as like my sensing and things and all of that, yeah, it's, I tell my husband, I'm like, it's, I promise you, if I say something is up, <laughs> just figure out what this is. Yeah. And it's true. And you're, you've been so accurate, like even with stuff with me over the, over the years, stuff, you know, that hasn't even hit my radar and you've, you know, you've come to me and said, you know, something's off and then lo and behold, within a very short amount of time or something, you know, or something really positive has happened. And within a very short amount of time, bam, it's like, it becomes really clear. And it's, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's really cool. And those that are really close to me and it's happened to you, but you and I, especially there's definitely something there, but yeah, I've I've actually seen some things that have scared me. Um, I have seen things that have absolutely, I've just been thrilled to see. There's, you know, it's all different levels, good, bad, the yeah. ugly, but for the most part, it's good. I mean, I, I really have viewed it as a positive thing. I think that's largely because this is an actual gift. And I think that's how it should be approached for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you and I have talked about that so much. Yeah. That yep. so many of these experiences are positive. Yep. Totally. I have people in my life too, who I just seem to have this odd connection with. I mean, Morgan, you and I felt that yeah, immediately absolutely. Uh, when we first met. So yeah, like the supernatural doesn't always have to be this horrifying, scary thing. No, not at all. And that's what I am so looking forward to talking about today with this, because in 2011, <laughs> Crystal, you and your lovely husband, Jason, who is an amazing human being, you guys decided to go house shopping and ended up in a very interesting neighborhood and had some experiences with a house that bears repeating because I think this is, I've got goosebumps right now just talking about this. Can you talk about, first of all, this neighborhood, like set the stage so people can imagine what this looks like? Well, it's really cool because the city that I lived in at that time, Decatur, it had two separate historic districts, but there was a reason there were two separate historic districts. Um, back during the Civil War, during the Battle of Decatur, all but around three or four buildings were burned. So there wasn't much left. And then, you know, with everything going by the river, Decatur was this big shipping port. And so then there was a yellow fever epidemic that came through right during Reconstruction, right after the Civil war that dwindled the population down less than half of you know what it was so there are some developers and they bought some land that about five thousand acres just right off of decatur and they called it new decatur 
But the people in Decatur didn't really like that, and it was causing some rivalry. So they named it Albany after Albany, New York, and advertised it as being the Chicago of the South. So with everything starting anew, it's really cool. The neighborhood, and I think one reason that we and a lot of people are drawn there, is because of just the diversity, even architecturally, everything. And it's just a really cool place. It's nothing to go down the street, see this gorgeous Victorian house right next to, you know, a um, an American four square and then right next to a Gothic cottage. And then you have um, ours was a Dutch colonial, have Dutch colonials, Georgian revival everything so it's like no house is the same you in the either one of those areas you no two houses are generally the same at all i love those neighborhoods they combined them in the 20s and actually the before our house was built on that street it was kind of the new kid on the block because it was completed in the 40s but before that it was a victory garden during world war ii which is where the community would go and they would you know have these gardens that everybody tended to, and that kind of helped with rationing. So everybody had plenty to eat, you know, ideally. But Jason was the one who first found the house. Um, we had not married by then. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were super excited moving in too, because this is a, you know, we both loved history. We both loved the area. When he said, what do you think about this district? It was like, oh, I love that. Uh, well, you just touched on something I think is a, so key to the story, which is that when you guys saw the house, you kind of knew it was yours. Like it was mm-hmm. how so many, yeah, like how so many people, because I mean, we've heard this so many times where people, you know, they go into a home and they're like, oh, you know, something's off. Something doesn't feel right. This was totally the opposite for you guys. You were like, this is, this is us. This is our home. This is alignment. This feels good. I've had exactly the same experience when my ex-wife and I bought a townhouse. I had dreamt months before about moving into a house with a large gold number 12 on the door. And we'd looked at a whole bunch of other places and we pulled into the driveway of this newest place. And there it was, this gold number 12 on the door. And I was like, no way. And we walked inside and uh, and Carol looked around. And she said, this is our home. Oh, wow. Instantly. And that's the place we bought. So, so yeah, I've had exactly that same experience. Wow. I had not even seen the inside of the house. He called me. I was working and he said, well, I went and looked at a house today and it's almost like walking back in time. It's been kept like since it was built. And, you know, when he, as soon as we pulled up, I mean, he sends me a picture. I'm like, that's it. And we pulled up. I'm like, this is it. This is it. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, it had it was two streets over. I have no clue why, but it ended up having a house. I wouldn't go you know further than the second room, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> something's off. Going <laughs> back to the whole you know Claire sentence thing, it's like yeah, something's off, and this is yeah. not it. But this home, no, it it was the I think the only thing, and it was funny because I can remember peeking in the window because the real estate agent had not let us in to look at it yet. And I had one little feeling there that was kind of like, what are you doing? And I kind of back up. Like, you know, if I, I walked by my house and somebody's peeking in my window, I'd be like, okay, what are you doing? And I had that briefly. I think that that falls into, you know, what happens after that. Because when we went inside, it was immediate. It felt like home. Like it was just very welcoming, very warm feeling. And other people we had over during the time we lived there would say the same thing. It just feels like home here. Mm. And the house was personalized. Like it had, 
this uh, this was really interesting to me too is that you guys discovered that there was like carved names like there's there's hidden easter eggs in this house there were um the first thing that my husband noticed and he pointed it out to me there were the hand and feet prints of the little girls that were raised in the house and at that point you know and their names and hands and feet prints were actually in the concrete and the carport which i we both loved you know um, having two small children ourselves at that time, this was great. And the door, the door knocker still had the family's name on it. And we just opted to leave the name on the door knocker. We just thought that was cool. That just added to the historical, you know, charm of the home. Sure. Yeah. And well, and Jason at this point too, we should mention, was a absolute skeptic. <laughs> this was kind of this. This is the journey of somebody who was not necessarily like a militant skeptic by any yeah. by any stretch, but somebody who like was pretty on the fence about you know what what was going on. Like he's he he's a very fact finding guy, Mike. Like mm-hmm. he, you know he's got to have all all the pieces, and it's got to be very logical. Was, so this sounds like my brain. So very much, yes, yeah. very much. A little bit more so, though. I would say. I would say yes. <laughs> Very much. There are so many funny stories about him like that. Like it, you know, and it also had not come up about, you know, his girlfriend's little deal with the supernatural because nothing had come up at that point for me to even bring it up. I I mean, it just was like, okay, it's fine. I mean, he, he had put up with me and my little, I don't feel so good about this. And then finally just, you know, being very specifically why I don't feel good about this, you know, that kind of thing. But other than yeah. that, yes. But now he, he's got to, he's, he has to have all the, like you said, all the moving carts and has to look at things. And, you know, at that time, we there were a lot of repairs that needed to be done. The house seems more focused on that. We were thrilled. I mean, it, that was one thing I really think was important going into this whole story is just happy going in. We were excited. We had been piling up in this little tiny apartment and we were ready to go in there, get repairs done. And, you know, for at least a month or two, we were still staying in this little apartment. And he would stay overnight. Sometimes he took, because I was in law school at the time, I was studying a lot. And then, you know, we had two little kids and getting them ready for bed, all that kind of stuff, eating dinner. Then he would go and work on the house. And that's when things kind of really started to happen kind of get get the ball rolling so to speak Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well and you guys began remodeling the house like you moved in and you guys were going to you know and and this is i think so classic as to how many of these how these stories kind of start where you know stuff starts to get changed and shifted and but you hadn't actually moved in yet you were like you were kind of remodeling from a distance what was the first thing that you guys noticed? Well, I was studying and I started getting used to getting these phone calls and kind of blew them off at first because, you know, you're pretty close to your neighbors in this, this historic district. There's just, you're just super close. But you go over there and work and it was one night I was studying and it was, you know, late and he called and he's like, I heard somebody sneeze. And I just can't remember laughing because, <laughs> you know, okay. I'm like, well, we're like so close. You could reach, you, you could pass a cup of sugar from one window to the next. It's that close. And 
And he's like, no, this was inside the house. And I think I was a little flippant was like, well, maybe you should leave some of your allergy medicine there for the ghost. And it won't, and just being like joking. And he's like, ha ha, you know, kind of sarcastically ha ha in me. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And then it was another night. It was the same thing. He was over there and he was like, someone said, hey, like they're in this house. And I'm I'm telling you, we're so close. He's like, it's this neighborhood. You know, it shuts down like after 11 because there's a lot older people there too. And it's just, it's a very quiet little, even though it's like right on the edge of the city, it's very quiet there. And so he's like, no, this is inside i'm telling you it's inside the house and it was just little things like that but yeah. at first i blew it off because i'm the one that has these kinds of things i had not really talked to him yet quite sure. yet about this and i'm like you know it, it's nothing yeah because you guys were kind of brushing us off at, at the beginning you were kind of like no 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 no, it's fine and it, like so many people do that too right where they're just you know these little things that you're not really equating to something that mm-hmm. might add up because there's spaces often between these events. So the stuff that you're not, you know, lining up in your head are just, yeah. So no, I'm totally, it's relatable. Yes. It started again, like you said, it just, it started out so few and far between and a little benign at first. I didn't even think anything of it. There was no real connection with anything that was going on specifically yeah. until we moved it like actually moved in but i did have one time i was painting upstairs and had the radio playing and you know at this time you know i I had one that was plugged into the wall um i'm sure my kids would (laughs) think it's quite archaic you know now with bluetooth all that kind of (laughs) stuff but i had it plugged you know plugged into the wall and just like it stopped and turned around and looked and there's the plug, like, laying by the radio, just out of the socket. Like, well, that's weird. And I'm like, okay, this is just loose plugs, old plugs, you know, in old homes. All these needed, you know, were probably going to have to be replaced. And um, that happened a couple of times while I was on the ladder. And again, I'm thinking, I'm pressing little prongs together, you know, trying to make it where it'll stay in the plug more. And it turns out later that was bad wiring. So it's again, but you know, not putting these together until we really had moved in with the kids and that's when everything really started up. But this is the this I think is is so key because this was like the first incident where it, you were no like there was a correlation between something that was happening and a danger in the house. Like you know, later on you found out bad wiring, don't plug stuff in, like you that's gotta be replaced. And this is like, to me, the the catalyst of what was to come, because this became a, a, not only a pattern, but like a lead up to something to me that was like a life changer, a really big life changer event. So at this point, you were like, you started to look into the history of this house and you found out about a guy who lived there by the name of Sophie. Can you tell us a little bit about Sophie? Well, I, when we saw the, you know, the, the carvings, things like that, the handprints, I had to find out. I mean, I'm just one of those people and our, I love history and we had great neighbors and they would tell me things. And I also, I had a lady, um, I was actually a hairstylist with like time. I don't know. That's a jump there. A hairstylist going to law school, but you know, it happens. And I saw her every week. And one day she just looks at me and she smiles and she said, I know something that you don't, you don't know. And I'm like, what is that? And she said, I used to roller skate 
when I was a kid in the basement of the house you live in. She really was the one who started telling me all of the things about, you know, as they called him Sophie, that he was just this great guy. Like he, at a time, I guess, you know, in the 1950s, it's not, you know, things were a lot different then. You know, now it's like that dad's really hands on. That's all cool, everything like that. But I think there was a different, you know, like the Mad Men era where it was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It was women stereotypically that were the nurturers here and it was like he was like you know the opposite they were very hands-on parents he loved his children he was a, a gardener he loved doing things around the house he was constantly you know fixing things or improving things in the house and i think that also is important to note when when things started happening too if, when we would yeah. remodel you know it's almost like It's like we, we had a seal of approval on this. Yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we would do, you know, my husband would complete a repair. We would finish painting something and we would always find something and we'd be placed like out on the open. One time it was like a marble just sitting on the counter. And I'm, you know, was always weird about the kids having marbles. They didn't have marbles. So here's this marble sitting on there. Then it was a little tiny doll at one time. So we found like little, that, that started happening. We started calling them house presents. And at that time, I think we were kind of, Getting into this, okay, <laughs> something going on here. But yes, by all accounts, everything you heard about him was so positive, and they were just a happy family that lived there. But interestingly yeah. enough, a, a family with two children, just like us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so much, so much, so much connection. Like that's what I love about this. And August comes along. You guys move in, and at this point, like you say, stuff starts going on, but stuff starts happening that you guys felt was directly related to looking after the kids as well um like your, your daughter got sick at one point and it even got to the point where your son's life was saved but let's first let's talk about your daughter because this is this this relationship that you guys developed with this entity is just absolutely phenomenal once we pulled the carpet out of the house we there was a sunken living room and above that was the second floor and so we would hear, it would sound like footsteps. And I thought it was our daughter because she was the littlest time. She was the hardest one to get to go to bed. <laughs> so it would sound like a little kid running upstairs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up there. <laughs> going to find out why we're up, you know, this time. And the first time that I noticed a correlation, heard it, went upstairs, and I look, and both of the kids' doors were shut, and walk into, like, you know, just as I will do, just open the door, stick my head in, and she just, she looks, and she's like, I'm going to be sick. And Well, she got sick. And I'm like, well, that was odd, you know, and I can get her settled back down and stuff like that, you know, go back downstairs. And we started noticing a pattern that, you know, um, if you heard those footsteps, but it would happen infrequently enough. We nicknamed this entity Sophie after the man that lived there because it seemed like it was, you know, looking out for everybody. And that's what we had heard. But with my son, he loved to wrap himself up at night. I, he was like all into things about mummies and things like that. And he was really meticulous about these things when he was a little fella. So one night we hear, you know, the footsteps upstairs, go upstairs. And I mean, it was immediately, as soon as they hear him, it's just like this overwhelming feeling, go now. Something is wrong. Something is bad. Yeah. Go up there. And daughter's fine. 
and go to my son's room. And I was literally horrified. I opened the door and he had fallen, like he was right there about to fall off the edge of the bed, but he had wrapped himself up in the sheet so much that it, and it was a pretty high bed. Had he fallen, that sheet would have caught him and strangled him. And yeah, it's scared me. And I had another time with both of them. They had a big backyard to play in, and that's where we're supposed to play. And I had to, I I told them, I, you know, stay in the backyard because they kept wanting to kick a ball in the front yard. Absolutely stay out the back until, you know, until I can go out with you. And I was in the bathroom and hear footsteps, but instead of them being upstairs, this was downstairs this time. And the door kind of pushes in and the little half bath downstairs again i'm thinking it's one of the kids come in i'm like i'll be out in just a second turn around there's no one there and it's an immediate feeling of oh my god and it's like i glanced to the side because we had a big den you could see out to the backyard i glanced to the side could not see them and i knew they were in the front yard and went outside just in enough time to see my son kick the ball and it go rolling into the street and um, my daughter turned towards the the road and I yelled immediately no and you saw people would come around this street fast sometimes during the day almost immediately a car at the end of that street and ended up hitting the ball so very very rattled Sophie's looking out for the kids I mean it was just one of those things I just knew You can sort of chalk stuff up like, you know, at the beginning, it's like, well, you know, maybe it just happened at the same time, but it's incident after incident after incident that, you know, that you are being alerted to. And I think that feeling you had too, that to me makes me wonder if, if that was even, whether that was your intuition or whether that was something being projected, you know what I mean? Like, like this is an emergency, you need to go, um, you know, with it's it, there's so many dynamics here that are are really really interesting, but it's just it's it's undeniable. And you guys weren't the only witnesses. There was a housekeeper that you guys had as well that also witnessed this going on. That that one did make me laugh because I had not said anything. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny talking to people about these kinds of things. We were the only ones that had any kind of interaction. Yeah, my husband and I had too, and um. A friend of mine was starting a cleaning business and was wanting to take on a few houses and asked if I needed some help. And, you know, I was glad to have her there because that way we got to visit anyway. And I was working at that time. The kids were in school and I came home and she's just on the front porch looking at me, exas- just exasperated by looking at me. So she's like, have you guys ever had anything go on in this house? Or, you know, just like, you know, you're not alone in this house. And I, I laughed to just kind of one of those dry chuckles when, you know, you're about to have a conversation, an interesting conversation about something that you're, you're expecting to have this conversation. And I was like, yeah, we've gathered that. And she, she came back inside and she said that she was actually cleaning in the living room. And <laughs> she thought that it was my husband that had come home because she obviously she knew him too. And she thought he'd just come home early during the day. She said it sounded just like the front door opened, like the screen door opened. It shut behind him. And she said she heard, hello. And she said the first thing she said 
was, well, hey, Joseph, how are you? Did you have a good day? And she said she just realized that she just rattles on for a minute. She's like, she hadn't gotten any kind of response. And she walked out into the foyer where the front door was at and looked around. There's nobody there. And the door's still locked. And then it hits her. I locked the door from the inside because, you know, we would both have a key and it's still locked. She went to the side. She she looked all over. And oddly enough, when she realized there was no one there, I said it startled her, but she didn't feel like afraid, afraid. Yeah. And so she had this funny thing. And I, I told her what had been going on. I, I sat, we sat down, you know, over, you know, I had like a cup of tea and we're talking about these things, about what has been going on. And she said, you know, I felt this way when I came in. There was, you know, I wasn't here by myself, but that's the first time. But she was really funny because every time from that point on, when she'd come in the house, she'd be like, okay, Sophie, I'm here to do my job. I'm going to clean and I appreciate if you would not startle me today or it was something (laughs) funny that she would always say and we would laugh it was just like you know just routine she she would always say something i love that point about this because i get a question a lot from by by email and whatever where people say okay this happened to me how do i know whether this was a good or a bad thing and uh, i think you you or your housekeeper just hit the nail on the head where she's examining how does this feel? How does this feel? Apart from the, oh my gosh, I was startled. That's hard to get away from. How does this feel? And coming back to that, because there, there is there is a feeling of, you know, whether that be intention, whether that be, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's a feeling behind this stuff that happens. And you, I, I'm one of these people, I believe, and Mike, I think you're, you're this way too. And so, Crystal, you as well, is that we kind of know the truth when we when we feel it. If something's off, it's off. And if something is, you know, feels okay, then it's, you know, we, we kind of can gauge that. And I think we've kind of lost that ability to figure out, you know, is this good? Is this bad? Well, maybe I got to ask an expert. You don't have to ask an expert. You just have to take gauge within yourself. How, well, how did this feel? Yes, and I think that's very important because I think sometimes, and I know you and I have talked about it, people can scare themselves silly. You bet. Yeah. As my grandmother would say, I scare themselves silly. You know, you can have this go on and go, oh my gosh, it's a haunted house. This is terrible. And it was never that way. I mean, I really think from my past experiences, this is why it was just, like you say, it was gauging this spewing. It never, nothing. The only, and we'll get to that in a minute, the only time I had ever we ever felt terrified and that home was for a human interaction it had nothing to do with an entity or with the entity or with our sophie or you know yeah and this you you've got to talk about this this was i think the the climax of this house and it really again i think there is no more clearer demonstration of of the the spirit of this house in so many ways than this story i'm gonna preface this and say guys you could bring a marching band through a bedroom <laughs> and he would sleep through it oddly enough when this happened for him to be awoken with me doing something downstairs at that time all the bedrooms were on an upper floor i had finals i was i realized i had left you know a book it was like syllabus my computer i'd like left this outside and we're talking probably i'm pulling an all-nighter this is probably 
two-ish, three-ish, you know. You were in law school at the time. Yes. And okay. it was, yeah, it, it was crazy. So I had my dad pull all nighter studying and I had finals coming in. That's what I was doing. Well, I needed my keys and I'm a creature of habit. If I come in, my keys go one place and they still do. It's funny. It doesn't matter where we've lived past this point. These will be the same spot. You know, that that's just it. And so I, they were always on the counter or the kitchen. Always. And my husband's the same way. He'll put his keys, same space, counter on the kitchen. That's the first place I went to. There's no, no keys when I went. I thought, well, maybe I'm just tired and I stuff them in my bag or, or something, you know. Went and looked in my bag, no keys. And my husband had been upstairs asleep for hours at this point. And so I, I was looking all through the living everywhere, everywhere I could possibly think. There are no keys, none whatsoever. And so anyway, he came down the stairs and was not very happy because, you know, here it is almost 3 a.m. and I'm rummaging around and it, it startled me that he came down the stairs because he does not wake up. He's like, what are you doing? You're keeping me up. I'm like, I'm keeping you up. Oh. I'm like, yeah. I lost my keys. And he said, did you check your bag? I'm like, yeah, they're not there. And he started looking um, with me and he even went upstairs and looked and he is really methodical about looking, you know, for these kinds of things. He's like, well, they're not upstairs. And I'm like, we're not downstairs. He's like, well, they have to be. And so, you know, of course, we'll start going looking at the other places I've already supposed to look. And he's like, well, look, they've got to turn up. And he had walked out of the kitchen because we had a door that went outside to a carport and that's where this took place. And um, he walked out of the kitchen. I had to. I'd gone back into the living room. I was checking my bag for probably the thousandth time. And we had two dogs. And they started barking. And my husband would go over and just say, well, now it's the dogs. And I'm still in my head thinking, this is weird that he's even up. Why is he up? Yeah. And the next thing I hear is he hits on the glass door. And then he, I hear, you know... He, we had like a handgun like that was in the, um, was hidden in like, he went and got it and ran outside. I didn't know what had happened at this point. And I'm like, oh my gosh, first thing I do, I call 911 and I told him I'm like, and I saw a guy running out right ahead of him under the street light when I got on my phone call. And I'm like, someone oh, was trying to break click. in. Yeah. Someone, yeah. He had caught someone in the process of breaking in the house. And so the cops got there. We filed the report and he actually circled back around and was okay. Cause yeah, scared me out to death, but my husband did. They, and so they come and they filed their report about guys. Jason told him what he had seen. And so after we had filed the police report, we walked back in and Jason's like, I'm going to bed. I don't know where he's going, but I'm going to bed. And I'm like, at this point, I can't find him either. Whatever, I'm going. And we went upstairs together, and there were keys right in the middle of the bed. Right? Bam. And it was like looking at each other. At that point, it was like, we knew. We had been, you know, we knew where those keys had been. And where they were not and middle of the bed was not and for him to be you know awoken and he said he just never could settle in that night it was just mm-hmm. there was a constant pop 
Creek something that night. There, there was just something. And I do believe, like I said, we again, it was like, uh, it was Sophie, because that was always our go-to at that point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he was like, yeah, we, there's something here. <laughs> there is absolutely something here. Well, and I mean, you would have, I mean, had you have had your keys hanging on, you know, hang in that spot where you normally have them, you would have walked right into this guy. You would have walked out the door and walked right into this guy. And I mean, he. Absolutely. And that was, I get chill bumps thinking about it. And we had, I'll tell you another interesting thing about it, because we really felt like it was very protective over our family. But I really think, I mean, yes, us, but our kids as well, because our kids had no clue. That we even like now they're young adults, and when we started talking about it, it's like, what? What? And I'm like, yeah. you know, I think that's another aspect. It might have scared them. They're young; they didn't really know what to do. They they never knew. They just uh, it's still that's one of our fate. Like when we look back and think about that house, you know, we absolutely have um, just the best memories. And oddly enough. It's bought and sold numerous times, but never like a family family after us. It was, you know, that had small children. So I told my husband the other night, because it had recently sold again. I said, I hope whoever moves there has, you know, has a family. Because I really feel like this this house wants a family. You know, Sophie needs a yeah. family. Mm. Oh, it's just it's just the best the best story. See, Mike, I told you. Yep. This was a- <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a good one. <laughs> It, it's a good one. And eventually, like you were saying, you guys you guys moved out and, and whatnot. But this must have been, I, I can't imagine, like it must have been a really emotional process walking away from that place. It was. I cried. I, I absolutely cried. I oh, And I just knew, it just felt like this, you know, Sophie, this entity, was, it, it belonged with a house. Because I, you know, I'm sure if someone walked in on this, so I'd have been like, okay, she has officially lost. But I'm like, I wish you could come with us, but I know you belong here. And, you know. Yeah. I remember one of my favorite books, To Kill a Mockingbird, the scene where when Scout and Jim were saved by Boo Radley and when Alex says, thank you for my children, my last time in that kitchen. I was like, thank you. Thank you, Sophie, for my children. Mm. Ugh. Now I'm going to tear up. It was time to move on. I, had, I was having some issues and we just knew it was our time. And we knew leading up to it, it's like it was just a feeling. But yeah. it's also that feeling in the house changed. Like it was very bittersweet in the house. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it just, there was such a liveliness about that home and about that place. And it's like no other. And I think I could still walk into the front door of that house and feel like I was walking back into the home of an old friend or, you know, as you would a beloved relative or someplace that you genuinely felt loved and at home. Yeah. I really think that it's such a testament to what this spiritual paranormal activity is supposed to be like when you're in alignment, when you, you know, you, you're not kind of bleeding emotional wounds everywhere and, that connection to non-physical, it's always there. We are not alone. We are just not alone. And no matter what people want to call it, there is that infinite intelligence is so strong and it's so powerful. And when you get into these places that are just, 
so rich with this this non-physical energy. I think this is such a beautiful just a beautiful example as to what this connection can look like. But I think sometimes the way you walk into a place, anything new is different and it can be scary. And mm-hmm. I think if there is something already there, I think it's really the the how you walk into it and how to treat these things. Mm-hmm. Because I can just remember that being a time of, you know, immense, you know, joy there in the house. I joke my husband halfway proposed to me in that house too. Um <laughs> So there were a lot of happy, like really happy, happy memories there. And there was happiness when we moved in, that excitement. And I think a lot of the times that really can, you know, speak to how your experience goes as well. Oh, definitely. Some of my best experiences with the paranormal have come after an insanely good laugh session. Yeah. Like just hardcore laugh session. And I like... I know when Steph and I, even when we were, you know, actively going to doing field research and stuff like that, we would we learned really fast that if we went into a place and we were all, you know, stoic researchers and whatever, nothing would happen. Nothing. But if we went in and we had fun and we laughed and we joked, we would have activity up one side and down the other all night or all day. And it oh, absolutely and then you begin resonating on the frequency with these things, you know? And it's like you're just it's it's like an explosion of of joy and amazing stuff happens and it's it's so cool i don't like mike you've had experiences that way oh, too oh totally yeah i write about it in my book as i was especially moved by the first episode we ever did the philip experiment and and that was how that group became successful they were stoic and that kind of thing for the first year and then they decided you know what uh, after reading a few other cases why don't we lighten things up? And so they started singing songs and telling jokes to each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, within three or four sessions, this stuff started to happen in a big way. Yeah. And it's, it's, it does, it just plays out like this, you know, over and over again. And it just, it, it just goes to show that I, you know, I, I'm one of these people, I really believe that our, our, our core state of being is joy and that's that's our natural state of being is joy and i think when we resonate with that we resonate with the with the natural state of being of of the world of you know that non-physical energy and what we're you know come from and return to and it's like yeah you bring you bring that light into a space and it's just phenomenal what ends up coming of it and oftentimes the people that you know move from say for example like a you know a, just a regular house into something that's been haunted in a negative way they don't even resonate anymore with the with the negative stuff and they they're they're not even sitting at the same frequency they never experience it and it's like it's so powerful this you know where we are in our emotions and and what we can connect with but i think your story is just it really goes to show that it's not just a one-way street that they want that connection too Mm-hmm. They do, because if you think about it, the people you're drawn to, it's not because they're just, you know, completely serious, you know. Yeah. The old saying goes a stick in the mud, you know. It's the, yeah. But I absolutely believe it does. And it's interesting you brought that up about the whole, how people will go in from a negative place and then you'll have owners saying, oh, well, I've never had the same thing that these people have. And you yeah. and I have talked about that a lot, too, about frequency. Because you explained it one time, I thought so well, as like a, a radio frequency. 
Yeah. You have the best example for that, for what I'm trying, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the, the example I always give in my, in my classes and my, my live shows is that, um, you know, our emotions are kind of like a radio dial. And, you know, you've got so the AM, FM frequencies and you can't get the, you know, 99.5 FM if you're listening to 8080 you know, yeah. 880 AM. Yeah. And you really have to tune that dial. And tuning that dial is your own emotional center and that your kind of general state of being. You gotta you gotta tune to that right emotion. And the the when you when you tune to that, you know, pure positive energy emotion with you know, and just cleaning up your emotional well being and and you know meditation and stuff like that, then you end up resonating with all of the things that reflect that 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 frequency, reflect that state of being. And you kind of get all of this stuff mirrored back to you. And and in the same token, if you're, you know, sitting in that, you know, that that sort of negative end where you're kind of angry all the time or you've just you're kind of bitter and you've just, you know, or whatever it is, frustrated with life, you resonate with that. And I, I think so many people think, well, you know, I nothing ever happens to me. This is ridiculous, you know, this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, if you've got that attitude, where are you resonating? What what's gonna what are you drawing to you? It's gonna be a, a mirror of that. And I I I, I've I've seen this over and over and over again within my life and with you know clients and other people and and whatever and I've just, I just I'm a firm believer that that's the case. Yes, I am too. Uh, yes, but I, I loved your example of that. I have used that and probably if not your <laughs> <laughs> me trying to explain it to somebody and if you heard me trying to explain it that way, be like I did not say it like that. It's like this. It's you know. That's the fun thing about us being, you know, chosen sisters. We have some, <laughs> some really funny conversations. Exactly. Well, Crystal, this has been amazing. And I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. This has been phenomenal. And thank you for, like, you know, opening up your home essentially to us and, and letting us in with this story because it's, yeah, I, I hope everybody that's listening can really walk away feeling on cloud nine about this because it's, it's so cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me to share my story. And then I'm, you know, it's great to meet you. Well, you know, a Zoom meet you. <laughs> Virtually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Hopefully you'll come back again to tell us some more stories because I bet you have way more. Yeah, we. I, I hope so. If Morgan will have me, but yeah. yeah. I always, <laughs> always. You, your stories are amazing and you're you're a wealth of information always. And it's, yeah, you are welcome back anytime, dude. Well, thank you so much. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This is a really interesting case for me because, like you say, it's about perception. You could have been terrified 
by all the things that were happening in that home. But the way Crystal and her family perceived it, that these things were really not something to be afraid of, but to be embraced. Yeah, absolutely. And embraced, I think, is the key word here. Instead of pushing upstream of, you know, when they moved in and stuff started happening, Mm -hmm. instead of pushing upstream, they really leaned into what was going on. And instead of becoming fearful, they checked in with themselves as to what exactly was going on here. Is this something that is inherently negative or am I telling myself a story that is causing me fear? And those are two very, very different things. You know, an event that's terrifying and frightening because there's a real danger there versus am I afraid because it's a story I'm telling myself about what's going on. And they embraced it. They they felt that they were, you know, being comforted, that they weren't alone in the best possible way. And they leaned into it. And well, I mean, look what happened. I've read a quote by Einstein that says, the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. Oh, oh, that's good. Do we live in a friendly universe or a hostile one? Because we get to choose. We get to choose our experience. We get to choose. Yeah. There's always a choice. Right. Things happen, but are they just opportunities? Rather than saying, this is a terrible thing, this is an opportunity to do something, to learn something, to find a new way to exist, to shed an old idea. Yeah. It's all about our perception. That is 100% what this conversation with Crystal was about. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean... Every time she tells me that story, there I have goosebumps. Yeah, because it's it it so resonates with me in terms of that I believe we do live in a friendly universe. I believe that the universe backs us up no matter what decision we make, whether it be a good or bad one. It will present us with the evidence of that decision. And I think you know you touched on it with that quote where that idea of you know if I decide that I'm living in a hostile world. There is no question the universe will back me up in presenting that. Yep. And I've seen the complete opposite where it's like if, you know, making this decision, you know what? The, you know, this energy, this non-physical energy, no matter what you want to call it, that's got my back. I'm I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, there is help. It will come. If I ask, it is given. That is what Crystal was experiencing as well. And it's so special. Groovy. Well, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on yet another eerie expedition. And remember, the line between the natural and the supernatural is often a thin one. Until next time, stay curious, friends. Supernatural Circumstances is a co-production of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings and Good Egg Studios. This podcast is part of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Theme music by Corey Johnson of Catalyst Records in Edmonton, Alberta. You can learn more about Morgan Knudsen at EntitySeeker.ca and learn more about me, Mike Brown, and listen to my show, Dark Poutine, at darkpoutine.com. Feel free to email the show at supernaturalcircumstances at gmail.com.
Hi. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now, she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. Are you trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.